Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read all the chapters of Shonen Jump on Viz's website, as well as another full volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And because we are in Spooktober, we're reading Tokyo Ghoul this week. Yeah. And not because I have some random piece of swag about it. No, and certainly not because you already had volume one of it. Well, I, I'm i reading it off the Viz app, so. Okay, well, fair. That's I have all of the volumes of it. Did every loot anime crate come with a volume of manga? No. It seems like a slam dunk. Some of them did, but actually relatively few of them did, thinking back on it. I guess if you're guaranteeing $25 of value, that's $10 right there. So yeah. that's a large chunk of it if it has one. Yeah, the big thing was the t-shirt for a lot of it. And, I mean, we can keep talking about it, but you're not going to be able to get loot anime ever again. So This podcast not sponsored to you by Loot Crate. No. All right, so before we get to Tokyo Ghoul, we have Shonen Jump to talk about, and there was a lot going on this week. So let's start with One Piece chapter 957, Ultimate, which is a weird chapter of One Piece. What did you think of it, Kevin? I still liked it. It's kind of more, hey, what's going on in the world, catch-up kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely still like a beat. It's part of this separation of acts. Yeah. What I found weird about it is it's kind of a lot of tell-don't-show. Like, in that it's yeah. Sengoku telling a bunch of people about some really cool stuff that happened, which is cool and exciting, but it's very nerdy and bookkeepy, like, especially the part where, like, let's tell you everybody's bounties real quick. I mean, it's that's still so, kind of like, cool, because they've never revealed the Yonko's bounties before, so. It's just so, like, usually he's very good at putting them in naturally. Yeah. This is so, let's look at some people's power levels. Yeah. Here's Goldie Roger. His power level was 10 times Luffy's current power level. Yep. And don't get me wrong, I did like the chapter, in particular the stuff about how Gold Roger and Luffy's grandpa had to team up, because of course they did. Yeah, I do like that that's how he became the hero Garp. It was like, yeah, he single-handedly defeated these guys, right? Wrong. Single-handedly with the best pirate ever. And the rest of his crew, I'm assuming, too. I wonder if Smoker's going to show up in Wano, and he's going to have to team up with Luffy to take out Big Mom and Kaido. That'd be cool. That would be rad, but Smoker hasn't been in this arc at all. No. I mean, clearly Smoker and Garp are supposed to be analogs. Yeah. And Smoker and Luffy have teamed up slightly before. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Or maybe X-Bec, because we found out that Rox D. X-Bec was the captain of the Rox Pirates, which included Kaido and Big Mom and a bunch of other people. Yep. A Whitebeard, actually. Yeah. Basically, almost all of the Yonko. Except Shanks. He was with Roger. Yep. And the rest of it is like just showing all the Yonko's bounties. They're all in the billions. Blackbeard's at two billion. The others are in the four billions. Yep. And we found out Whitebeard and Goal were in the five billions. Yep. And also, the Navy has a special science team, and that's why they got rid of the warlords, because they're going to rely on them. Yeah. Well, when you say it like it's a special science team, they have a, like... No, it's literally called the Navy Special Science Team. I know, but it makes it sound like, it's like, we have a special science team. We have six scientists who will... Yeah, they have good Germa double six. Yeah. They have Garma double seven, Kevin. They've got a Megazord. That's how Frankie was able to build a Megazord, is he saw their Megazord plans. Yeah, like, it just, making it sound like a science team makes it sound like it's, like, six nerdy scientists, not... It, it to me it'll probably be more like uh Jeremiah 66 where they're technically science people but it's like no they're they're fighters they just have scientists backing them up like Vegapunk 
And I'm sorry, I said billion. I think it was actually in the trillions, their bounties. There were nine zeros on those. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I have trillions written down. Because Luffy's I, I already at 500 yeah. million. So yeah, I didn't dislike it. There was some cool stuff in it. Like it's good world building, good stuff about the history of the world. It's just like a weird show don't tell thing. And there is a little bit of showing via anime flashback manga panels, but it just had a weird tone to it about Sengoku telling all these random schlubs what was going on. Yeah. It's not like someone important like Cody learned all this. Cody. Kobe. Cody's a completely different One Piece character. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of the Admiralty. And we do have Garp talking about it. Yeah. A little bit, which was kind of cool. So that brings us to Demon Slayer, chapter 176, Samurai. What did you think of this chapter of Demon Slayer, Kevin? I also really liked this chapter of Demon Slayer. I thought it was, so we're having the Upper Moon 1 die. As I predicted, he did not, he survived being decapitated, but also not really. Yep. And I really love that that moment of, like, he managed to regenerate his head, and then he caught an image in somebody else's katana of what he looked like. He's like, is that what I look like? Like, I just wanted to be my older brother. How did everything go so wrong? Yeah. And then he just kind of gives up, and that's how he dies. Yeah, and so I thought I thought that was really cool. It was like they didn't. I mean, they beat him, but like they forced him to see that he had become a monster. And even though he was kind of like denying that to himself, finally seeing it was like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. And then that's when he dies. And also, his brother was like, hey, maybe all the swordsmen right now suck, but there'll definitely be better swordsmen than us in the future. Yeah, and him kind of seeing all the Hashira have traits of his brothers at least yep it was pretty cool it's pretty much the thing demon slayer does when a demon dies but it was a pretty good version of it yeah i liked it too but like it was a pretty quick read which demon slayer often is yeah that's never something i hold against it i just don't know that i have much more to say about it do you yeah no but it was i really liked it so it was cool but like you said quick oh speaking of reading brings us to my hero academia number 244 recommended reading what did you think about this, My Hero Academia, Kevin? I was super looking forward to it because we got teased last week and didn't yes. get a chapter. I, I really liked this, My Hero. I like Endeavor's got a new costume. That's pretty cool. And then so we have Endeavor taking off to go fight the villain and Todoroki, Bakugo, and Midori are like, wow, he was like reacting before we even heard the like the sound of the attack kind of thing, which I thought was really cool. And they're like, in order to watch him, we have to keep up. Yep. So they take off after him, and he's chasing a guy who's got a really cool ability where he can manipulate glass, which is pretty sweet in, like, a modern-day setting. It's kind of like best genus. Like, you, you know, the ability to manipulate fiber, depending on the setting, would, you know, may or may not be a terrible power. But, like, in today's world is amazing. So yeah. same thing with glass. Like, oh, you're in the middle of a big city. There's so much glass. If you're out in like the wilderness, you're like, I got nothing. So there's this really, really great sequence where the dude is flying away from Emdiver and leading him through an alley into a trap. Yep. And there's this great page turn where Midoriya, Shoto, and Bakugo all jump to intercept the guys who are about to ambush Endeavor. Yep. But then Hawks has taken them all out in the next panel yep. before any of them can. It's just a really good three-panel sequence. Yes. It's a real good page flip in the middle there. I really it's like that. like some grade-A comicsing. 
I also really love Hawks being like, oh, sorry, I was a bit too fast for you guys there. And then Bakugo's just kind of like, I was faster. It's like, no, you were. Yes, I was. Uh, so good. But anyway, Hawks has come with a copy of the Liberation Army's manifesto. Yep. And he's like, hey, Endeavor, uh, you should read this. I highlighted the important sections for you. And there's some, like... Real, I found it a little confusing. I had to read it a couple times before I thought I knew what was going on, which is the one thing I hold against this chapter mm. of Hawks being like, yeah, I uh, like thinking, man, I really hope my message reaches you. I hope that through the power of shonen friendship, I can uh, I can get my message across Endeavor. Yep. It was like, I highlighted the important section. So I'm pretty sure since he's being monitored, he just highlighted a secret message in the yep. book. But it was a little too subtle, I thought. Although, I, I mean, we'll guess we'll see it next week, and people who figured it out will feel clever. I mean, for me, I that's I got that immediately. Like, he was trying to send him some kind of secret message, even if it necessarily wasn't highlighted in the book. Well, I definitely got he's trying to send Endeavor a secret message, but I had no idea, like, how he was trying that. Yeah. Until, like, eventually I clicked, like, oh, he highlighted. Maybe yeah. it's a, he highlighted certain words. Yeah, I, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting, was he... He probably put it in the book, and he was also trying to, like, get Endeavor to realize, hey, I've been, like, I'm speaking normally, but somewhat weird because you've heard me talk before. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we've we've conversed before. So to anyone else, it would sound like this is a normal conversation, but you should be able to pick on something extremely subtly wrong and hopefully figure out what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Midoriya will have to figure it out. Maybe Endeavor doesn't understand code books. I actually kind of think that would be great. That would be awesome, where he's like, here, take this. And Midoriya's like, all right. And then he starts reading. He's like, uh, you should read this. I also really like the part where Hawks is like, oh, you got some sidekicks. Oh, hey, you're the kid who always breaks all his limbs, right? Yeah. I heard about you from Tokage. Is that how you pronounce the- Takumi, I believe. Takumi? Okay. From Dark Crow Man. Dark Shadow. Ah, uh, so good. So I quite liked it, although it did kind of suffer just because I thought it was a little confusing. But like I said, there's some grade A cartooning in the way those three panels work. Yeah. Which brings us to We Never Learn, Chapter 129. After slushy shenanigans, they grow closer to X. I also really like this chapter of We Never Learn. So I did too. It's a resolution of the test. Huzzah! Everyone passed. Yay! And so they're... Kirso sensei drives Yu-Gi-Oh home from the doctor, and of course he went and visits Konami's dad. Or, uh, yeah. Her dad's the cl- clinic. The clinic is still open. It was like, wait, no, isn't he at the hospital? No. And um, also, like, I'm sure her dad would help her, her boyfriend, obviously. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just this, you know, everyone's together at Yu-Gi-Oh's house, and then a snowball fight breaks out, because of course it does. Yep. And then it starts getting sexy, like Kirisu Sensei gets a snowball uh, down her cleavage. I think it's it. Furunashi is like, oh no, my butt's wet. Yeah, she slips and falls in the in the snow and gets yep. her butt all wet. And so Yugi's mom is like, all right, that's enough of this nonsense. Bad Kirisu. <laughs> Go take a bath. Yep. And Konami and Uraka are like, yeah, you three should definitely take a bath together. That won't be awkward. It'll be fine. Yep. So they're in the bath together. And uh, it's awkward. It's super awkward. And so Furunashi and Ogata end up apologizing to Kirisu Sensei, being like, we thought you were always so cold and distant, but seeing you race after Yu-Gi-Oh to help him for the test made us realize that, you know, we were wrong about you and we apologize. 
And she's like, yeah, and I'm sorry. I re- As gone through previously, I thought I always had to push students to do what they're good at. So I ignored what you wanted to do. Yeah, so I'm the one who should apologize. Yeah. And they make up, and Uraka and Konami are like, wow, that that went exactly like we planned. That was perfect. Could not have gone better. Yep. That's weird. And it ends with Furuhashi and Ogata trying to feed Kirisu as apology. Yep. And dumping food down her cleavage. Yep. Burning her horribly, thus getting them in trouble. Yes. Also, there's this really good line, two really good lines, actually. One where Uraka is like, hey, Kirisu, you should take me in your car again. I love the way you drive. Yep. Like a maniac. It's great. <laughs> yep. And also Konami being like making fun of Yu-Gi-Oh! Where he's like, oh, they're just so sweet. It's like, no, you're, you're being a perp. It's like, no, they're just so sweet. And I'm like, oh, it's a metaphor for we never learn. Yep. Yeah, it was definitely very good. I really like this chapter. Which brings us to Act Age Scene 83, The Important Thing. Where basically Yonagi is just trying to deal with what the director said. And like trying to figure out, is it a lie? Is it the truth? Well, it doesn't matter. I just have to act. Yep. And I definitely like that, that she kind of realized, like, all right, it does, I'm an actor. It does not matter if the anger that I'm feeling right now is because she lied to me or because she was telling the truth. I need to use it. Yeah. So the curtain's not coming up, and there are some critics that are kind of bad-mouthing Yunagi before she comes out. Yep. But then, wait! Wait, whose theme music is that? And she starts coming through the crowd, and everybody, like, averts their eyes from her. She's so angry. Yeah. Because she act good. Yeah. It was definitely a really good moment, because that was one of the things where it's like, that was a, they were showing it, as well as telling about it. Like, this is, because you saw some people look over, and then all the rest of the panels are everyone kind of, like, trying to avert their gaze, because they're like, holy crap, she's pissed. And... The kind of like underrunning monologue is like, this is one of the few times where the audience was averting their gaze from a performer, which was just pretty cool. Yeah. I actually really liked it, especially in contrast to last week, which I thought was kind of a lame chapter. Gotcha. Which brings us to a chapter I wanted to talk about, Jujutsu Kaisen Chapter 77, Premature Death Part 2. You're usually more the Jujutsu Kaisen guy, so what do you think about this one, Kevin? I thought there were some really cool concepts in here. So there's no action or anything like that but there's, there's a little bit but yeah. i know what you, it's I not like a fighty chapter no at all. it's mostly like let's have like a philosophical debate kind of thing it's like oh that was a neat question to pose and this is like a cool thing to see the character going through yeah it's world building it's also explaining how the character who is the main villain got to that point since it, you said last week you realized that i he finally was. i was i should have realized at the start of the flashback because that was the first time i had seen him and but like maybe not right at the start but like oh, i shouldn't it shouldn't have taken me the entire flashback to realize who this dude was so have we seen yuki Tsukima this girl before or is she a new character I don't think we have. So anyway, the chapter basically starts with this girl, Yuki, coming up to Sugoro, who is the main villain. Yep. And be like, hey, I'm also in your guys' class, and I'm also good at grades. Yep. Like, we should talk, though, and she's like, hey, I have this theory that we should make everybody a jujutsu sorcerer because the way curses work, like, it's from energy leaking out of people, but sorcerers control their energy, so it doesn't really leak out of them. It doesn't leak out ever unless there are certain specific situations where they die and become a curse kind of thing. But even then, that's rare is what she says. Yeah. And she's like, uh, I really wanted to study Toji Zen, the assassin you just, you and Gojo killed. Uh, he always turned me down because yep. he was able to like completely cut off from himself from energy. Well, so, so the way, because she was like, all right, 
I want to get rid of curses. So I see two ways to do it. One, make it so that there isn't any curse energy, thus there are no curses. Or two, turn everyone into cursed sorcerers because or jujitsu sorcerers don't leak curse energy. And she was like, so for number one, that crazy assassin dude was the only dude that she knew of that was able to completely nullify his levels of curse energy. And it was like, it was done to him. It wasn't like, oh, he just grew up being able to do it. Like some science, crazy scientist like did it to him and they've tried before, but never completely succeeded. So she's like, so that's out, especially because he's dead now. So the other way is to turn everyone into jujitsu sorcerers. And so she's talking about how to do that. And Sigar's like, hey, we could just kill everyone who's not a jujitsu sorcerer though. Yeah. And she's like, like, well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But that would take like, you know. A cold heart, and you'd have to, like, upheave the entire world balance, and it probably really bad, so I'm not going to go for that. But anyway, then he sees an awful tragedy with some people being some assholes. Yep. And we've already seen that he's kind of starting towards that cold outlook on life. Yeah, because he at first he was like, I was doing this for the normal people, but the normal people suck. And it wasn't just, like, all the normal people suck, but, like, a bunch of the people he was supposed to be protecting were just terrible so he was like, oh, this is what everyone's like. Why am I doing this again? So he did some murders and became the bad guy. Yep. Which I actually really like. The like philosophical debate stuff and the scientific theory is what really made this chapter stand out to me. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool as well. Also, with the girl, I think she is the mentor of the one guy from the tune-in exam arc that we were having. who Because... Uh, one of his big things is he always asks, what's your ideal girl? Or what's your <laughs> ideal woman, just like she does? Gotcha. That would make sense. So that's why I think they're connected. Is That's like one of the first things he asks Itadori when he meets him. is like, hey, what's your ideal woman like? And that's just what he asks everybody when he meets them. Gotcha. Which brings us to the Promised Neverland chapter 152, Time. Oh, we get to see Zazie without his bag on. Yeah. He's actually got a surprisingly good character design yeah. for a person who already had a good character design with a bag on his head. Yeah. It was interesting. We also find out that a little bit about the Queen's motivation, almost Demon Slayer style, although it's not nearly as poignant. No. Right before she dies, where she's like, I just wanted to eat the best meat. And Norman, Ray, and Emma, you were the best meat. Yep. And R- Norman shows up, and the Queen dies. Well, it's more Norman shows up and they start to, and then we cut to Ray and Emma trying to make it. Well, and first we see Norman like try, c- considering whether or not he wants to kill them all. And yep. like we get this real cute image of like a little Emma pulling on him. Yep. Be like, no, don't. But then Emma, Gilda, Don, and Ray arrive. I think it's just Emma and Ray. Maybe it think, is. Because I think Don and Gilda were with Sonia oh, yeah. and Makuji. I think you're right. They go over to the town square because they're yep. like, Norman d- has a limited amount of poison. Yeah, because there's no way he had the amount. Uh, he he didn't have the facilities to mass produce this. So he had to have put it somewhere vital. Well, um, somewhere where it caused the most chaos. So probably yeah. town square. So they ran that way. Whereas Emma Ray show up to stop Norman. But he's like, oh, I already and Ozymandias this. Yep. It's I, already too late. <laughs> I launched the bombs 35 minutes ago. Yep. Sucks to be you. Uh, which is a better chapter of Promise Neverland than we've been getting recently, I think, but not nearly as strong as it was when we were putting it at the top of the list every week. No. I hope with Norman, Ray, and Emma all in the same room, we'll get back to that. Yeah, I'm hoping for some conflict between them. That'll be really cool. Which brings us to Samurai 8, Chapter 20, Partner. 
this is a pretty good chapter. It's mostly about Ryu and Hachimaru like bonding. Yeah. And Ryu being like, actually, you're learning really fast, and I I like your the cut of your jib. Yep. We also get some exposition about how regeneration works and how it's easier if you can just reattach something and yeah. how it always regenerates out from the head, which if you decapitate it is super bad because it takes way longer to grow a body. Yeah. Well, he mentions that. Head. Yeah. He mentions that since the key in your head is where everything derives, that's the important bit. So he's like, why wouldn't just my head regenerate from my body? He's like, well, the key's in your head, so your body will just crumble to dust. Eventually, it'll biodegrade like Spider-Man's webbing. Yes. It'll be fine. So they get to the tournament arc planet, and something clearly very shady is going on. Well, actually, I want to talk before that. Uh, Hachimaru's kind of grilling Ryu about his background, but the yep. other thief kind of steps in and is like, hey, you know, sometimes people don't want to remember or they have secrets. And there's this really cool beat I like where he remembers lying to Anne about his past and his family. Yep. And he's like, oh, okay, I get it. Yep. And he stops pressing. And then they get to tournament planet and clearly there's some shady stuff going on yep and they all get this like number in the thousands attached to them like floating behind 1572 don't ask me why i remembered that number but i did i remember the 1500 and some 1572 anyway they're like what is this what's going on and they get attacked by a bunch of samurai and the number goes down because it's a trap specifically it's a battle royale trap i guess Fortnite is big in japan too yep because they got trapped on planet Fortnite. Well, I mean, Battle Royale started in Japan, so it, true. it would make sense that it would be big over there. That's true. So yeah, they're on planet Hunger Games, and they have to survive. Yep. Which is not a bad twist on the tournament arc we were expecting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's also some talk between Ryu and his partner, and maybe they were planning this, although it's not really clear, because they seem a bit surprised too. Yeah. Which brings us to the chapter you want to talk about this week, Black Clover, page 222, Just Between Us. Yep. So this is where we have Noelle had heard that her mother maybe had something to do with a demon, and so she's super interested, so she's trying to ask somebody about it, but the dream mage, I don't remember Dorothy her name. Dorothy is her name. Thank she's you. very Oz-inspired. Yes. Is like, nope, hold that thought, and she takes Noelle to her dreamland she's like all right cool this is a space where i can create whatever i want so we can have a conversation because normally if you try and talk about the curse the curse affects you and kills you so this is the only place where we can actually have a conversation about this oh by the by and all of a sudden asta shows up <laughs> and he has this and amazing starts- line where he's like oh man noel you're super cute i could just stare at you all day Yep. <laughs> Which is super good. And then Noel uh, just blasts him. And this is one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about the chapter was that joke of, because she's like, oh yeah, I created an ass out of your thoughts. He's like, yeah, I just made the boy who was on your mind for you. And she's like, I was not thinking of him. Dorothy's like, so good. Dorothy's like, no, it's chill. You can do whatever you want in my dream place. Yep. Also, here's your brother. And she's like, stop messing with my dream brother. It's creepy. Yep, she blasts him too. And so then we learned that Noelle's mother was indeed affected by a demon, and we learned the demon's name. It's Bajecula? Yeah. I was like, I wanted to say Malpertio, but that is the bad guy from Bait and Kaitos, so that's not it. And not Until I said it out loud, I did not realize that the name is 100% Mage Dracula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's who we... I hope... With all my heart, that's who the villain's going to be, but I don't think so. I, mean, I don't think so I just fought Satan, either. so where do you go from there? Dracula? And then I guess Doctor Doom? Yeah. Anyway, uh, 
she talks about how devils shouldn't be able to reach the planet at all, but something to do with Noel's mom's curse has caused that. And Noel's like, okay, yeah, I have to pay attention to avenge my mom and save the boy I definitely don't have a crush on. Yeah, because she was like, you used to have to do this like extremely difficult summoning ritual to have the demons cross over into this world, but now they're just kind of doing it somehow. Like, even she was like, maybe it has something to do with this. Maybe it has something to do with that guy. But something happened that allowed them to just kind of, like, come over here willy-nilly. Yeah. So, some cool world building. But, again, the main reason I did it was for that joke of, uh, wow, wow, Noel, you're so pretty. What? It was just, super good. <laughs> I just put the boy who was on your mind. I love what a troll Dorothy clearly is. Yes. Just like, yep, I can talk with cute girls all I want here. Here's the cute boy you like. Yes. She's like, definitely, definitely not. I, I just kind of trust him, like he said in the last chapter. Yeah. We're all very well adjusted to our emotions here, especially the adults. Yes. Ah. Uh, Black Clover really needs some, like, guidance counselors. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us to Hell's Paradise, Chapter 71, which Hell's Paradise chapters don't have names, is what I found out. Oh, okay. Having to look for one for the first time. I actually thought that was kind of a lame chapter of Hell's Paradise, especially to be the first one we talk about going forward. Really? Yeah, I'm... I didn't think it was awful. I just thought for Hell's Paradise, it was not super strong. We're kind of starting not a new arc, but a new fight. Yeah, but I mean, I thought it was pretty cool because I, I had honestly thought that the one guy had like legitimately turned evil. Like, oh, I'm going to be helping these guys because they're my ticket to... They're my ticket to immortality. Like these guys are the are uh, the horse to bet on, so I'm gonna screw over my friends. And then it's like, nope, Psych was playing you for a fool all along. I, I don't that was know. a pretty good turn. I thought the twist coming for whatever reason, especially when the brother went to the other side. Like I did like the line about the samurai being like, yeah, we we need to send him over there because it's much easier to deal with a conflicted foe than, than a, a conflicted, conflicted ally. ally. Yep. I, I thought that bit was super good, and I like that. Yeah, you. Our tail is our ponytail. When it's loose, that means we're engaging in deception. And I noticed that. Yeah. Or it's like, not necessarily always our tail, but like, oh, that's your tail. Like, we have a secret code kind of thing. There's a pretty good bro trail. Yeah. In this. And I did like the like establishment of stakes of the boat needs five people to man it. So yep. these five of them need to survive if they want to escape. Yep. And they're already down one person. So yeah. I thought that like. And I'd... maybe two. Almost certainly just one. But yeah, that's right. Maybe two. We we definitely know one. Yeah. So I thought it was still pretty cool. Yeah, I just it's definitely in the upper. I don't even want to say half. Shonen Jump was very good this week, except for the handful of chapters that were not. It's a yeah. pretty stark line. Yeah, I have some. Like I usually do, I have some weird, weird things when ranking it. Like here, this one. Well, let's talk about that more in Jump Card. All right. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read, even the ones we don't talk about, from worst to best. There were 19 this week, which I think is going to be pretty much the normal number. Mm -hmm. 
So, Kevin, what have you given the coveted number 19 spot? Tokyo Shinobi this week. Me too, because right. boy, do these stay, boy, is this the most boring version of this story I've seen a thousand times, huh? Yep. Boy, was their friendship entirely forced, and I mean, isn't this exactly what you expected? I guess Jin using his electric powers as a defibrillator is a cool idea. Yeah, but I've seen that done before too, so this doesn't really surprise me. It was like, I also have defibrillator powers. I, yeah, it, it would have been weird if like... The I, the memory kid, because I'm not going to learn anybody's names, was like, why don't you just shock their hearts? What? I'm pretty sure his name's Ayn, right? He's the dog in Cowboy Bebop. Sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Yeah. Super lame this week, I thought. Just yep. No punch at all. A bore to read. Yep. What do you have at 18? I have to check, but yeah, Mintama. Yeah, me too. Definitely, it was a little like a funny premise, which is why it goes above Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Yeah. I didn't see literally everything coming. No. But also, like, still not good. Yeah, it's like, I don't particularly care. And it's like, oh, this one spirit actually likes Mintama for some reason. And at, like, the last page manifests. So normally they're drawn as these, like, basically ghosts. Like the they're, spirals from Gear and Lagan. That's a reference everybody gets, right? Yeah. Uh, they're like humanoid silhouettes with like giant scribbled black eyeballs. Like it's, they're circles, but they're not filled in all the way. It's like somebody kind of like was coloring them, but didn't do it completely, which is, I'm guessing for effect. So that's what they normally look like. But then this one gets a bow in her head partway through the thing, and then at the very end, turns into a person for half a second. I did really like Rize getting super invested in this love story. Like, yes. And that's, I guess, why it goes above Tokyo Shinobi Squad, really, is because that was at least fun, mm-hmm. even though Mitama himself is a boring character I never went to see on screen. Yeah. Well, and part of the thing, though, is that they call they call that out, and they're he's like, oh, Riza must be one of those girls that gets super involved in everyone else's love life, but not her own. It's like, Okay. <laughs> sure. What do you have at 17? I have double tie say at we 17. We'll see how long we continue to have exactly the same rankings. I feel like it was not super this chapter of double tie fault that it got so low. Just the character they're focusing on this chapter, I do not remember at all. That it, That is exactly the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> who's this guy? I know all the other guys he's playing Smash Bros with. I, I, I like all of them, at least medium. Yeah. Who's this guy? And it it's, it feels like it was like, so we had this weird gag chapter of like, the it's the date thing. That was funny. And then it's like, did I miss something? Because that's what this feels like. Oh, hey, we're suddenly, it's raining. Okay. Were you playing matches? Aren't the matches, like the matches aren't even important anymore. I don't know that I mind that, but you're right. Like, and clearly he was there when they played Life or Like, clearly he was there when they were all hanging out because he has the game of life that he brings out. I don't think he was, though. He must be, is the thing. No, because there were only the four of them. Maybe. I don't know. It feels like he should have been there. It does, but he wasn't. I swear we will go back and he, like, maybe he's in the manga beforehand, but, like, he's just some, like, dude in the background. He wasn't with them playing life. So the callback to him, like, look, I have the game of life, and Ty be the only person that's like, yeah! It's like, okay, how does he know? What? The Smash Bros. joke was kind of funny. Well, it's only fun because, like, it's not actually Smash Bros. Clearly, it's supposed to be Smash Bros. Yeah. But they're all playing characters that look kind of like them, and that's yes. kind of fun. Yeah. And Haga's committing suicide. <laughs> yeah. He's just jumping off the... Why am I dying? Like, Ugh. 
still bad. Yes. So what do you have at 16? I have Beast Children at 16. Okay, here's where we break. All right. I just, I didn't care about, like, anything in this. I don't know. I like the end. It was kind of dramatic. Kind of? I like the coach showing up to back up Sakura. I didn't put it much higher than you. It just seems weird that it's like, you can't be playing if you're bleeding. Put a Band-Aid or, like, wrap his head. What? I'm so lost. This is rugby. How do how do people not deal with this? Although he says it only take about 30 seconds. So, like, my presumption was, like, he's going off the field to do that. But they need somebody in. It well, it just it just seems super there. weird. That's like, don't you have, like, timeouts or something? Like, that is fair. Because it literally take like, it must have taken the guy almost 30 seconds just to get down onto the field and put his jersey on. Like... <laughs> All right, cool. I'm here. Oh, I'm back. Okay. I have Haikyuu at 16, just because while it's supposed to be this big emotional beat, like it just didn't land for me at all. We talk about that with Haikyuu a lot, where we see what it's going for, yeah, but it doesn't land, and I just found that super distressing. So yeah, I it's my number 15. Beast Children's my number 15. Yeah. So. so we just swapped on that. I just I liked the emotional beat that they were going for in Haikyuu, especially with the whole, and then we lost thing like oh we're building up to you know it's been 300 chapters we're building up this huge thing and then we lost oh that's that's not something most sports stories tend to do this late in the game it's like his sophomore or freshman year still though yeah i'm not saying it's like oh no this is the this is the end and we're screwed it was just kind of saw the beat coming not for sure but i felt like they were gonna lose this game especially once they had to sub out or once the main character got sick i mean that makes sense but I thought they might have been able to win this one and lose the next one, maybe. Because be, yeah. this was still like the semifinals. But this so, like, one's they didn't been even going make it so long, it has to yeah. like have a big impact, I feel like. Yeah. To justify, you know, the miasma of this volleyball game we've been in. I mean, listen, I'm not saying ever. it was the best thing ever. I was just like, I kind of like what they were going for with that. What do you have at 14? So I have Chainsaw Man at 14. Oh, okay. I have Chainsaw Man much higher. I mean, I get where you're going for because it's very much the chainsaw man problem of denji being all id right yeah the thing is like basically this is denji being like ah my heart belongs to makima i may have made out with some other girls or whatever but she's the only one i'm gonna fall in love with and then he meets this girl who's cute and totally into him and he's like maybe well i see where he's coming from i see where let me put it this way i 100 percent like 14 year old jeremy was exactly denji yeah, the, I, I was super into girls who were into me because I didn't have high self-esteem. And the way I told could tell if girls were into me was if when I told jokes I knew were bad, they laughed still. Yep. And like that was my racket when I was 18. And I like don't like Chainsaw Man for being the, all the id stuff. Like I, I get why you put it so low because yep. it's just Chainsaw Man doing that thing. But also like th- this reads super well to me because i've been in denji's spot before it does part i was just saying that they're going like all right so how is she using him <laughs> well that's fine but yeah that's fair given that this series is this series yeah it's like oh that means she, especially with him being like that means she likes me no <laughs> uh i mean spoilers for tokyo ghoul one of my problems with that is like oh yeah all girls are ghouls obviously there are no good girls i mean listen that might change i hope it does 14 is where I would draw the line of, like, everything under 14 did not super care for. Everything 14 and up, I quite liked. I have Mission Yozakura Family Mission Force Go Team Force Yozakura at 14. Okay. I found it kind of cliche, and I just really don't like the brother character. That's fine. And I don't really like that they're going, like, into arcs. 
But that said, I I did enjoy it. Yeah. Just less than everything else. Yeah. I, 14 is probably a good point for me. Chainsaw Man was like the bottom of stuff that I was like, eh, I just, he's done this like three times now. Makima's the only one for me. Ooh, power has boobs. <laughs> Makima's the only one for me. Ooh, Captain Eyepatch. Yeah. Okay. So I have Yui Kimio at 13. I did actually like this chapter of Yui Kimio. I'm starting to like more where the series is going. So we're introduced to this Mushi that can hide in the mirror dimension. Yeah, who seems to be the main bad guy that they're going after. That's the impression I got. I did I, not. I, okay. I assumed she was just one of the mooks. Okay, that's fair. I'm not, it doesn't say that on screen. That's no. just the impression I got. Because then you also have the guy being like, oh, I'll go take care of them for you. They're looking for you. Yeah, and I got the impression that he was higher than her. Like, gotcha. they're looking for her to, like, she. I mean, she might be the main villain. Who knows? Like, I, I, I can't read where this is going. I don't know if it's trying to be like, oh, she's going to be throwing tons of Mushi in the way, or he's kind of like, uh, I don't know exactly what to do, so let's try and not go for some, you know, giant One Piece 900 chapter <laughs> spanning story and, like, self-contain this thing. So, like I said, I I enjoyed it, but... I liked it quite a bit, too. I have Hell's Paradise at number 13, because, like I said, this chapter just didn't do much for me. Gotcha. Still liked it, but didn't do much for me. Yep. I have Dr. Stone at number 12. So do I. I liked Gen's strategy. I mean, that's yeah. an argument tactic I use all the time. Yeah. And so, like, it, you feel so powerful when it works, too. Yep. So I appreciated that, but also it is just, like, a beat in the story, and it's pretty much exactly where I expected it to go. Yeah, it, fair. You know, that that's very similar. And, like, some of the reactions were, like, a little too much. Like, when they're reacting to Senku's science, like, that's basically magic to them, but they're reacting to Gen talking to this guy in the same way. And in a lot of ways, it's a bit much. Yeah, like, it would have been... The reactions would have made sense if it was afterwards and Gen explaining or like maybe Senku explaining how Gen did it. Like, oh, yeah, this is the psychology that he's using. And they're like, whoa, you meant to do that? Yeah. Like that would have those reactions would have made sense, but not like, oh, I can't believe he said that. You were also fooled because you don't understand psychology. So I actually have Samurai at number 11. Oh, really? Yeah. I I don't know. There's, this chapter didn't just didn't click with me. I the think Ryu... Hachimaru stuff really clicked hard with me, especially yeah. that flashback to him like lying to Anne. Yeah, and, for like, whatever reason, it. it just didn't. So, I, like, the thing I took away from this was like, and it's Battle Royale Planet. Okay. I haven't really seen that in manga. So, I was also excited by that. It's very, what do the kids like these days? But. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that I'm not excited. I just, for whatever reason, this chapter didn't click with me. Gotcha. I have Yui Kamiyo at number 11. Okay. Like, really like it. Really excited for the next bad guy who's going to show up who is Kito's friend, who hasn't really done anything yet. She can join the harem. Everybody be in the harem. Yeah. All right, so I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 10. <laughs> so do I. At, like like we said when you were talking about it, it was a really cool like philosophical discussion. So I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. It doesn't, be, like some of the other chapters beat it just by the fact that they happen to be better. But I was like, this was a neat chapter, and I was glad I read it. What do you have at nine? At nine, I have Mission Yozakura Family. I thought this was pretty cool. I I definitely like the beat of main boy choosing to save the girl. Like the he hears a small child screaming. Yeah, I like that beat too. And I even like the brother being like saying, "I don't disagree with you, but you just need to like 
listen, I'm not going to fault you for making the decision. I just need to make sure you're aware of the consequences of your decision. Yeah. I did like that bit. But like, like I said, the brother character really has worn on me. Like, any chapter without him is better automatically. Yep. I have Promise Neverland at nine. Okay. Uh, like I said, I liked it. Like, the increase in stakes is cool, but also kind of not a lot happened. Like, and yet so much is happening. But that's been the problem with Promise Neverland is just the emotions aren't quite landing. Yeah, it, it's getting better. Yes. I have Hell's Paradise at number eight. I just, I liked it a bit better than you. I, I liked all those beats and I did not see the, like, I honestly was expecting the brother to also go to the quote unquote bad side because he was kind of like meek and all that. So he was like, oh, wait, I can join you. Awesome. I put Chainsaw Man at eight. I already talked about why I liked yep. it a bit more. Although I, again, I get it. It is like all the problems with Chainsaw Man. I just actually s- sympathize with Denji a lot in this one. I yep. just empathize, not sympathize. I have The Promise Neverland at 7. I don't have much more to say about it than what we did, so that's just where it ended up for me. I have Demon Slayer at 7. Demon Slayer's just done this thing better, although, again, it was pretty good. Very strong issue of Shonen Jump this week, which is why Demon Slayer ended up low. Yep. So I have Act Age at number 6. I I did really like this chapter. I liked Kay having that moment of, okay, even if this anger is fake and she was lying to me, I need to use it. Like regardless of and now because of the way her method acting works she's going to be able to pull from that anger at any point so it's kind of like even though it was a false emotion in the spur of the moment or it may or may not have been a false emotion in the spur of the moment i just need to use this to fuel my acting regardless of what's going on in my personal life which i thought was cool yeah i put my hair academia at six mostly like because like i said the message hawks is trying to get across just seems so confusing to me and I thought I got it eventually, but I had to read it a lot. Uh, but that bit of cartooning with the guys about to ambush into there is super good. Yep. I have We Never Learned at number five. It was just very cute. We Never Learned. I liked it. I have One Piece at number five. And again, it's because of the weird show-don't-tell stuff. And again, it is manga. There is drawings of this story. But it's just such a weird... I'm a character that's only tangentially important to the story. I'm going to tell this important backstory to a bunch of no names. Yeah, but I think some of that might come from the fact that you're used to watching the anime. So this would have been like a hundred episodes of them <laughs> explaining what the rook or the, who the rock pirates are. Oh, I don't even mind how quick it is. It just, it's a weird place for the information to come to and to go. It's not very efficient. What I'm saying is, is like in the anime, they would have just, instead of having Sengoku telling people, you would have just been like, we're going to have a flashback. No, it would have been still framed the same way. And they, because that way they could cut to the random mooks every other sentence going, what? Yeah, I guess. When? Why? How? What for? What do you have at number four, Kevin? At number four, I have Black Clover. I, I thought it was a really good joke, so... Yeah, it is. I put Black Clover higher than you, actually. Huh. I have Samurai 8 at number four. Okay. Again, I talked about why I liked it so much. Yep. I have Demon Slayer at number three. I just, I really liked this kind of resolution, and I really liked the, is that what I've become thing, and like, that's what defeated him. Not that it wasn't the Demon Slayers doing stuff, but it was like, oh, I've become a monster. That This isn't what I wanted at all. I have Act Agent number three. I might have overcompensated a little because I really didn't like last week's chapter, mm. but also I feel like that made this chapter feel a lot stronger to me. Yeah. And a lot of it is the art. You can just see the rage seething off K yep. and the way it's drawn. Yeah. And 
I'm like, it's similar to the reason I like that chapter where Chio is so mad at her. Yep. Like, it's just the artist is so good at drawing that anger. Well, and I also really like that the artist is good at drawing the apprehension of the crowd. Like, that's what I meant by it's that it's showing and telling at the same time. But it's you can clearly see the crowd is like averting their gazes. And it's not just like they're looking away. They're like, oh, God, don't let her look at at me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very solid. So I have one piece at number two. I really liked the stuff on Garp's history. I didn't mind the, hey, here are the the bounties for all of the Yonko. Like, I didn't hate it. It just seems so, like, fan y in a way I didn't care for. I guess. I just, how are they going to kind of bring it up naturally? I, I guess, but, like, I don't need to know that. Like, if you're going to do it this, like, club you over the head style, put it as extra material in a manga volume or in a Q&A or something. Maybe. Because I don't, what does this add to the story? Yes, it is cool, but I just don't think it adds anything, like I said, to the story. Except for the moment where Luffy's bounty becomes higher than Roger's was. But he's so far out from that. Yeah. So what do you have, number two? Oh, I have Black Clover at number two. Okay. Because Noel's really cute. Yeah. That... I, I, I ship Noel and Asta pretty hard. I barely read Black Clover, but I ship them very hard. Yep. And Dorothy's cool. Yeah. So He's my I, sort of troll. So I have my hero at number one because I was not confused by the secret message Hawks was trying to get across to Endeavor. Uh, and like I said, I liked Endeavor's new costume. That's pretty sweet. Like you said, that uh, the paneling, uh, the guys trying to jump Endeavor and Izuku, Todoroki, and or I guess Shoto and Bakugo showing up to stop them and then being intercepted by Hawks from like off panel was just great. Yeah. I mean, I was super strong. Like I said, uh, maybe I put it too low, but my number one was, we'd never learn mostly for that line that Konami has to Yu-Gi-Oh where Yu-Gi-Oh like, Oh, they're, it's just so sweet that they've made up and like the emotional moment. And uh, Konami was like, I admit it. You're perving. I was like, no, it's just so sweet. She's like, yeah, you're kind of a perv though. I'm like, yep. Oh, it's a metaphor for this series. Yep. It's very on the nose. I actually really liked it, though, because as we talked about with the last Sayuki, I'm all there for the metaphor. Please, metaphor me all over. Yep. So that does it for Shonen Jump this week. Like I said, I thought a really strong issue, uh, other than yep. the like, bottom four. Yep. And even the double tie say I want to like, but this guy came out of... He came out of nowhere. It's like, yeah. all right, so I was on a date. And now this guy, we're starting with him. He, he wasn't even like in the last chapter at all. Like he literally came out of nowhere. We already talked about it. Yeah, just <laughs> we'll stop. But what we are going to talk about is Tokyo Ghoul after the break. So we read Tokyo Ghoul this week, and I want to start by saying I have not an axe to grind with Tokyo Ghoul, but this weird feeling of it's not good and it's not for me that I have having zero experience with it, Mm -hmm. that I should say I came into the manga with, not necessarily this was my feeling after reading it. Oh, I gotcha. But there's just this weird, like, Tokyo Ghoul seems bad and like I won't like it. And I don't know where that comes from. It was on Adult Swim, like right after I stopped watching anime on Cartoon Network. Mm. And so I don't know if that's part of it or if it's just some part of the fandom rubs me the wrong way. 
Totally but, possible. Like, I just want to get my, what my bias going in was. And I wanted to read it. We both, when we were talking about horror manga, we, this was on both of our lists. Yep. Because I wanted to actually get some experience with it instead of having this weird biased opinion from this thing I've never read. So what did you think of Tokyo Ghoul, Kevin? It was interesting. I'm not going to say that like I, I didn't super like it. I didn't dislike it either. So it's not... I'm somewhere kind of in the middle there. Like, you know, it's not, oh my God, I love this thing. Or, eh, it wasn't bad. Like, it's somewhere higher than that. But I kind of want to read more because I think that might be, like, it at least made me want to read more. So it has that going for it. Also, the fact that I can read the entire thing for quote unquote free because I'm already paying for the service. Two bucks a month. It's not a bad deal. No. I didn't like it either. I mean, I would say I disliked it like a little bit more than you. I didn't hate it. I would, if like, say, volume two is available to me for free, I might keep going to see if it was better. It is. <laughs> did, did someone keep going? What? Did someone no. keep going? I'm just saying you can. Oh, oh no. Yeah, I was being facetious when yeah. I said that. So there are things I liked about it. I'm really glad we read Parasite first just because this is so similar to Parasite. Yeah. Just in the way it's constructed. Like, the first chapter is almost identical. Like, there's not the bit of the parasites coming down. Ghouls are already an established thing in this world, and they're a known factor, yep. which I found interesting. I was expecting it to be more of an underground secret sort of thing, like a lot of modern fantasy. But, like, yeah. there is a scientist on TV on a ghoul committee who's, like, just going on the talk show circuit talking about ghouls and their behavior. But it sounds like it's a more recent discovery thing. Like, they've existed for a while, but because of... The information age and stuff like that, maybe they're starting to be brought into the light. And they're very on the nose about their influences here. Like I said, I think Parasite is a huge one just because it so mirrors that early Parasite stuff. Yeah. And also the way like the powers are drawn, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Very similar to Parasite. But also they're constantly referencing Kafka and in particular the Metamorphosis. Yep. And, like, I think one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way immediately about it is the main character's point of view where he's like, I wouldn't call myself the main character of a story, but if I did, it would be a tragedy. And just, like, how hardcore sorry for himself this guy feels. Yeah. That's kind of a big turnoff to me. There are some things I like about it, but also, totally 180 from that, but another thing I really don't like, the action scenes just seem super messy to me. Did you have that feeling, too? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. And not in, like, the... <laughs> Not in the not like good Sailor horror Moon. messy. Or, well, yeah, but even like Sailor Moon, I think messy is a fair way to describe those action scenes. But then there are some, like I'm thinking in particular that panel where Usagi is like drawing back with the silver crystal from Jupiter while Venus kicks her. Yeah. That's just like the motion is, there's no motion line or anything, but what happened is so clear. Yeah. And there's nothing like that in this. There's even like a non-fight action scene where the main character after becoming a ghoul is offered some like human meat. And he's like mulling it over and then he throws it to, uh, against the wall to try to reject it. And I couldn't figure out what was going on there. Yeah. Like I read it four or five times and I was like, I guess he didn't eat it, but he's talking about coffee and it just was super odd. Yeah. And it's also one of those things of it wasn't like they were trying to kind of hide the action horror style. Yeah, like, it's not like I don't like The Dark Knight or I, I mean, dark, let me rephrase. The Dark Knight is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I don't like the action scenes in it gotcha. because they're that messy, like you wouldn't be able to tell what was going on in a fight, born identity style. Yeah. But I can tell that's a style and a choice. Whereas here it's 
like if it's a style and a choice, it's not being done very well. Yeah, because like there are tons of, and I'm not a huge horror fan, but there's that kind of thing of like, you know, the mind's eye is going to be more horrifying than what's in reality. So if you kind of make the action indistinct or you make the villains non-existent, a la uh, Bruce the Shark in Jaws, like because he wasn't seen on screen that much, you kind of build him up in your own head. And so like you are the person who can think of the scariest scenario for yourself. So if the action scenes were trying to like hide exactly what was happening to kind of be like, oh, that guy just got cut in half. But like what happened? It it just didn't come off that way. It just kind of came off like something smacked him, I guess. So just a quick overview of the plot. The main character is Ken Kaneki. His best friend is named Hyde. And he's just kind of a nerd. He does a lot of reading. Like I said, he reads Kafka. There's another author he really likes who I'm pretty sure is a fictional character for this world. I'm not Probably. 100% sure, but I'm He might be a sure. Japanese author. But that's his favorite author. He goes every day to this coffee shop to read and like see this cute girl who's often there yep. and has similar tastes in books to him. The cute girl approaches him. They get talking. They go on a date. Surprise, she's a ghoul. Yep. She tries to eat him, but there's this terrible accident. And again, I'm not really sure what happened. I mean, a building collapsed on them. I'm not really sure no, why. No, it's, uh, it's not a building. It's... It was a like pile of steel beams like being held up by a crane or something like that, like the cable snapped or something like that. And so it was just a uh, because I'm assuming they were it was probably like the construction workers just had some hanging there, which is, of course, you know, you, you never do that. Like but, yeah, with steel beams, you know, yeah, but there were just a bunch of steel beams hanging and they fell down and crushed her to death. OSHA doesn't have jurisdiction in Japan. So she's dead on the spot. He is heavily injured by the accident. Well, and- he. Because he gets injured by her, I think. Well, yeah. So, I, like, she injures him, and then she gets hit with the ton of she gets hit with the ton of bricks, and ends up dying. Because I don't, I mean, he maybe got hurt a little bit by it, but I thought she had attacked him before. She had attacked him before. Yeah. So, like, that's where most of his injuries were from, which is why he lived. So he's rushed to the hospital, and the doctor makes the decision on the spot to use her organs to save him because, because they they even mention that they have the same blood type, which is a thing over in Japan that is kind of like a personality thing. But also, blood type is genuinely important for medical, yes. for organ transport. And organ transport? For Jason Statham to bring you your organ, he needs to have the same blood type as you. Yes. Uh, but I just meant them bringing it up beforehand, like, oh, what's your blood type? What's your blood? <gasps> we have the same blood type. So it was like had already yeah. been brought up. So the doctor just being like, oh, well, we're going to use her organs. I was like, okay, they've got the same blood type. That makes sense. And I do really like that the doctor is like, being brought out and it's talked on the news like he shouldn't have done this he didn't have any permission from the family or anything and, he's and it was like she doesn't choice. have any family she didn't have an organ donor card he was like i made a split decision in the moment like you know part of me has the doctor thinking like all right cool you're yelling at me because that kid is alive fuck you yeah but i really like that is what would happen though. yes so that is really exactly like what that. happened what would happen and I, I i feel i just i feel bad for the guy being like no that kid is alive fuck you uh but also it was the awful, terrible choice because she was a ghoul and now he's this weird half ghoul. Yep. Who like the the expert talks about how ghouls have this enzyme that makes it so any food besides human meat and apparently coffee isn't completely unpalatable to them. So the rest of the series or the volume, I should say, is Ken trying to figure out like what he's going to do with his life now. He wants to be normal, basically. He wants to hang out with Hyde. Yep. But he gets this terrible hunger when he's around people. It turns out all the people at the coffee shop he likes to hang out at were ghouls. Like, the owner is 
the, the ghoul king of the area who distributes the ghoul feeding territory. And yep. the waitress that his friend has a crush on, also a ghoul, who, like, I don't want to say I dislike her characterization. They're definitely going for she has some sort of tragedy and will be explained later. Yep. But she, she's not inconsistent. She's just kind of cold to him, but then she helps him out every time he needs, and it just feels inconsistent. Yeah. It's I, not quite Sundere, but... No, I think it's more of the fact that she's like, I hate you because you're whiny because of, like, some tragic part of my back, you know... Well, some I think she was weak and whiny for, at some point. But, like, it just, she's, like, says she hates him, and I feel like she has every reason to. And the yeah. tone of the series is she should hate him, but then she just keeps bailing him out. Yeah. And well, that's what I don't like, I guess, is the inconsistency there. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like there should be a reason for her to do it other than he needs to be bailed out. Especially I, when he keeps getting into trouble. Yeah. I honestly thought it was some of the thing of, like... I hate you, but I'm not the kind of person that can let some just let somebody die kind of thing. Like, especially another ghoul. Like, because even the the owner of the restaurant is like, ghouls help each other out. Because she's like, no, I don't want to. He's like, come on now. So I think that's kind of where that conflict was coming. And I do want to, that was one of the things that made me want to read on to kind of see where she's coming from with that of like, why, why exactly does she hate him so much? Like, I get it. She's He's definitely being... the most interesting character yeah. in the series. because, But, like, the series is just so melodramatic other than that. Yeah. Like I said, he just feels so sorry for himself. I do like his friend Hyde. And, like, yeah. it established that he's super, like, observant and picks up on things. Yep. But just like I said, like, the very casual sexism of literally every female character is a ghoul. Yeah. And, well, like... You say that the two. I... Yeah. Well, also, that's just a problem with fiction, right? Yeah. But like, like, there's only, what, five characters technically in this? And most of them are ghouls. Like, Hyde is the only non-cool character. I guess the doctor. And I yeah. presume the guy on TV, although it would not super surprise me to, what a twist, he's a ghoul too. Yep. I, I just, like I said, like I don't want to like get it out on this, but I'm like, oh, of course she's a ghoul too. Of course women can't be trusted. Is yep. what this a series is probably not trying to say, but is accidentally saying. I'm just wondering if this is just... A case of it's the first volume, like like I said, there is currently one, maybe two, well, I guess three. Let's not count the doctor, because like he's he kind of almost gets relegated to the background yeah. basically immediately. I do think we should talk count the talk show guy, even though he hasn't interacted yes. with anyone. I feel so like he gets there are screen. two non ghoul characters in yeah. this cast of like six people. Yeah. So oh no, all the girl now if we get, you know, all the way through everything, it's like, no, there were like fourteen girls and all of them were ghouls. Okay, yeah, that that probably saying something. Unless everyone else that we meet is also a ghoul, like if Hyde and the talk show guy are the <laughs> only people who aren't ghouls, it's like, uh, okay, I can't no, hold that against you. No wonder the humans can't beat them. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you're all over the place. I kind of got that feeling from this chapter, just with all the ones we found. Kind of, but like it's also Tokyo, yeah. so and it's kind of the thing of like I kind of liked how he was like, oh. All these people around me are ghouls, and I had no idea. Like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, it's not like everyone is, but he's just suddenly noticing that guy's a ghoul, that guy's a ghoul, that guy's a ghoul. It didn't super fix my impression of the series, the biases I had. I mean, the series was a bit different than what I thought it was. I didn't Mm -hmm. dislike it for the reasons I thought I would. Yeah. But I definitely, like, was not turned by actually reading it. Yeah, and I'm not a huge horror fan to begin with, so... That's why I said I was a, I I didn't love this. 
I didn't dislike it either. I'm somewhere in the middle and I'll need to read more in order to figure out where I'm going to kind of end up. But since I don't have to buy the volumes, I'll just kind of keep reading and maybe I'll like it. And if I don't, I'll stop. Anything else you want to say about Tokyo Ghoul, Kevin? Uh, not really. Not me either. So that just leaves us with personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the list where we rank all manga characters from best to worst, no matter how whiny they are. At the top is Uzumaki Naruto, who's actually fairly whiny. Yeah. At the bottom is that guy who's not Yamcha, who whines quite a bit before he gets reincarnated as Yamcha. Yep. Uh, Dead center is Buggy the Clown, also a whiny character, but what I like a lot more. Yeah. So I mentioned Parasite, and I think Shinichi from Parasite is the place to start. Okay. But I actually like Ken a bit more, despite not really liking the manga as much as I like Parasite. Ken at least has personality, even though we don't necessarily like his personality. Shinichi was just kind of like so flip floppy. Like, all right, so you've got Migi hanging out with you and he's like, we should go do this thing. And most of the time he's like, no, I don't want to kill humans. That's like his one. No, I don't want to do this. But even then he's kind of like, well, I guess if I have to. So I was just saying, I, I think I agree with, I like can a bit more so i feel like scrolling up the first character i see who i'm like oh he's got a personality is yugia from we never learn mm-hmm. i think i like yugia more yeah okay kind of the middle here is yo from shaman king i'd lean towards liking yo more but i can't deny ken has more personality yeah and i think he'll like i can see where he might go as a person as opposed to yo kind of just like exists like him as a character doesn't develop much, even though like he grows stronger and the story might. Kent definitely has the, even at the end of this, where he's like, I don't fit in anywhere. And the the owner of the coffee shop being like, well, no, you're actually the only person who fits in both worlds. You're half human and half ghoul. Like, oh, I didn't think of it like that. And like, you could kind of see that on his face. So I can kind of see where his character might go and at least has trajectory as opposed to yo's just kind of like yeah i'm gonna be the shaman king dude (laughs) far out man i imagine him saying dude all the time yeah i feel like he's more a far out guy but i definitely see where you're coming from yeah so a character i don't super care for but that i think is about comparable is sora from no game no life what's your opinion there i like sora more i realize he's down on the list but I I just like Sora more. Uh, That's fair. I, I kind of am leaning that way, too. We have Toriko between Sora and Yo, so do we think he's better or worse than Toriko? I'd put him above Toriko, because I don't know that Toriko changes all that much. Again, kind of like the thing, like, I I like both of them, but Toriko is just kind of like, as a character, is like, I'm the ultimate badass. And that's it. Also, I want to have a super good meal. Yep. So Ken Kaneki will go at number 36 of 48, above Toriko and below Sora. And that does it for this episode. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tommy W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Our website is lastpodcast.com. That's where you can join our Discord if you want to talk to us, especially if you want to talk to us about Gundam. There are lots of people there for that. Yeah. Or 40K. Or, weirdly, the folly of the Korean and Vietnam Wars. Yeah, that was a weird string of... Well, it was interesting, but that was a definitely a weird string of conversation. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? So next week, we're going to be reading something that 
again, since I'm not a huge horror fan, I, I'm kind of interested in, but don't really know much about other than they made a movie about it, which is Gantz. Yeah, I've heard the name before, and that's it. I Like, I know they made an animated movie fairly recent. Actually, no, it's on Netflix. It's like Gantz Zero, so I don't know exactly where it fits into the story, but I'm like, well, that sounds kind of cool, and like the animation looks cool. And then I was looking at horror manga, and Gantz showed up again. I was like, so I read the like little kind of plot synopsis. I was like, ah, that seemed cool. Let's give that a shot. Anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right, we'll see you next week. Have a spooky month. Stop.